Well, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. This is such a blessing. I'm so grateful to Pastor Eric for the opportunity to preach today. Let's open in a word of prayer. And I'm so grateful for the prayers that were prayed for me, spoken and unspoken. So let's take a moment and just uh, go to the Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, God, for the opportunity and privilege to gather here today. We thank you for your holy word. We thank you for uh, the fellowship we have among the saints, God. I'm so grateful for each one that's here today in person and those on live stream. I just praise you, God, for the fellowship we have through faith in Jesus Christ. I pray you would be exalted today that the Lord Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up. And I pray, Lord, that the words that are spoken through your word would convict us, grow us, then know Christ and edify us in every way, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, today I want to preach on pollution. Pollution is a huge problem in the world. Perhaps the, the greatest problem we have. The cost in lives is... Beyond calculation. I don't want to preach on air pollution or water pollution. I want to preach on moral pollution. When we look at the word defilement in the New Testament, that word can also be translated pollution. And that's what we'll be looking at today. So when we use the word defilement, that would be pollution. Defile would be pollute. And um, these words are synonymous because really the word in the Greek really means to, to defile, to pollute, to corrupt. And so when we look at these words, we want to make sure that we understand that these words are synonymous. So everyone in the passage we look at today, every group, the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus and his disciples, the multitude... All of them accept pollution is a real problem. It, it is no one denies that it's a problem. Every group accepts it's a problem for humanity. The issue is how do we address it? What what is the solution and what is the source? So today I want to make four points. We're going to look at scripture versus tradition. We want to look at the source of pollution. We want to look at the severity of pollution. And we want to look at the solution. So, Lord willing, we can get through this. So, if you would, turn, please, to Matthew chapter 15. And we want to look at verse 1. Beginning with verse 1. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. We're going to move along. So then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, now I want to make sure we understand the scribes and Pharisees are the preeminent legal authorities in the nation of Israel. No greater authorities in the entire nation. The fact that it says came from Jerusalem really implies that they were an official delegation sent out to investigate Jesus and his disciples. These uh, scribes and Pharisees were not friends, uh, neither were they friendly. The parallel passage to this text today is in Mark chapter 7, and it states that they found fault. So they came and they found fault, and the fault they found is in verse 2 when it speaks there, 
to it. So if you look at verse 2, it says, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. So this issue of transgressing the elders, these are not uh, old people back in Jerusalem. These are people that are long since dead. The, The longer dead, the more revered. So they go way back to the tradition of the elders. So the offense that the scribes and Pharisees are mentioning is not against Scripture. It's against their tradition, the tradition of the elders. Specifically that Jesus' disciples did not wash their hands when they ate bread. This was a very important issue to them. If you look at John chapter 3, and we're not going to do that, but John chapter 3, verse 25, the same scribes and Pharisees uh, came to John the Baptist uh, over the issue of purification. And that's really what we're looking at today is purification. Uh, in Luke chapter 11, they, uh, one, of the scri- one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to dinner and he marveled that Jesus did not wash before he ate. So this was a very important uh, subject to the scribes and Pharisees. There was a Pharisee named Jose who said, To eat with unwashed hands is as great a sin as to, to lie with a prostitute. So they took this extremely seriously, even though in the Bible there's no a commandment concerning this. So this is strictly... A tradition. This is not scriptural. So we look at the first point, scripture or tradition. The scribes and Pharisees were clearly on the side of tradition. They had come to the point where they had turned away from scripture in their authority and they had begun more and more and more to divert and corrupt to go to the way of tradition. So, so this is an extremely important Point, and this is what they did. So they, they asked Jesus this question. And in verse 3, we notice he, he responds with an accusation to them. This is the beautiful thing about our Lord. He confronts error. The easy thing for him to do would have been to compromise or to, or to say nothing. But he does not deny that his uh, disciples did not wash. But he responds to them. He He says, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? So Jesus is bringing out the very issue that is at at the forefront between them. The issue is the authority of the word of God in scripture or the authority of these elders in tradition. This is a very important Point that Christ brings out. And what he does, he goes on to give just one example of this, one example of what they are doing uh, in, con- in corrupting and uh, diminishing scripture and exalting human tradition. And he does that in verse 4 when he says, For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and he who Curses father or mother, let him be put to death. So Jesus here is saying, 
in verse 4, he's quoting scripture to them. He's quoting the book of Exodus. He's quoting a commandment uh, that is to be obeyed. And he's quoting uh, the penalty for extreme disobedience to that commandment. So, So this is extremely important when he brings out this example to them. Because he goes on to say in verse 5, For you say, so first verse 4, he spoke, God commanded, verse 5, But you say, whoever, I'm sorry, uh, but you say, whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you may have received from me is a gift to God. Then verse 6, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. So in verses 5 and 6, he's giving the example there of what they say to him, which is corrupting the, the example of Scripture. The clear commandment is to honor your father and your mother But in their uh, go-around of Scripture, what they do is uh, ignore that and exalt a tradition which says, if you declare your goods uh, a gift to God, uh, they are not uh, accessible to your parents. Therefore, uh, you've made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. So they, they're not doing this because they want to honor God. They're, they're doing this because they're greedy. We read in the book of Luke that they loved money. The Pharisees loved money. So they were not doing this out of obedience to God or any kind of allegiance to him. They're doing this because they're greedy and loved money. So the fact that uh, this, this go-around occurs allows them to, to, to bypass clear commandment of Scripture while appearing very religious. Uh, everything I, I'm giving is a, is a gift to God, even though at the point they had still had access to all that material, all their uh, possessions, and yet they were declaring it as a gift to God. Now, Jesus uh, looks... In verse 70, he responds with clear, uh, condemnation toward them in speaking about, I'm sorry, when he says, when he speaks to them, he calls them, uh, what does he call them? Thank you. That's the first time in scripture that he does that. He will not be the last. But they're hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you. And when we think of that word hypocrites there. It means they're imposters. They're phonies. They are not what they appear to be. Jesus goes through this. Uh, several places in the New Testament. Pointing out the hypocrisy of them. And he, and he goes on to quote Isaiah in verse 8 where he says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, 
but their heart is far from me. In verse 9, really a chilling statement, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So Jesus' condemnation of them is clearly based on their exaltation of human tradition and the diminishment of Scripture. This is not a first century problem alone. We see this in our day today, don't we? We see people, prominent individuals, uh, prominent churches that bow the knee to, to modern contemporary culture and deny Scripture, deny the clear commandments of Scripture. We see this more and more in our day, and there's no excuse for it. We should hold up and exalt Scripture as the Word of God, and we should obey it. We should seek to obey it with all our hearts. So Jesus, in condemning these uh, hypocrites, these phonies, uh, he's putting them uh, in the right place. He's He's, uh, he's addressing error just as we in our day are to address error. When we come to it, we should address it, we should recognize it, we should confront it. And the way we confront it is through the Word of God. So Jesus goes on, now he changes his, his focus to the multitude in verse 10. Then he called the multitude to himself and said to them, Hear and understand. So when Christ does this, again, the Lord Jesus never says a word out of place, does he? Everything he says is on purpose, it's intentional, it's for our, our benefit and for our blessing. And here, likewise, he's speaking, Hear and understand. How many times do we read, uh, after his parables, he tells the people, he who has ears to hear, let him what? Hear. Let him hear. When we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the first word of the Shema, the religious creed of Jews, that the pious Jew was to say five times a day, it begins with the word, hear, hear, O Israel. So here, Christ, uh, in addressing these issues that, that are before them, he's, he's speaking, hear and understand. And we're going to see the emphasis of that later on, because right here, he goes on to speak to my second point, the source of defilement, the source of pollution. So in verse 11, he says that not what comes out of the mouth defiles a man. I'm sorry. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. That makes a difference. Sorry about that. So uh, when we read that, that one statement that Jesus makes, that, that upends decades and decades and who knows how many teachers that have taught this through the years to Israel, the, the point, the importance of, of the source of our pollution. Because to the uh, Pharisees and the scribes, pollution was, 
was an act that was done to you, and the way you dealt with it was to wash, ceremonial washing that was what would be done. And, and that's why, because it was to be done and seen in public that you were a righteous person, and they would do this ceremonial washing. But here, Christ is turning it on its head. He's saying, no, you've got it exactly wrong. And so we read that in verse 11. Uh, that is an astounding statement that Christ makes, turning it completely upside down from what the scribes and Pharisees said. And we notice that from what verse 12 says. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were um, uh, offended when they heard this saying? So the, the response there was fierce. It was quick, and, and, and the disciples here, some people read this and say, well, they're just, uh, this is a humorous uh, inter interaction between them and Jesus, uh, but, but I don't see it that way at all. This is something that Jesus' teaching is so revolutionary, so radical, that the disciples of Jesus, who had grown up in Israel, had revered the the scribes and Pharisees, their, their entire lives as the, the preeminent religious leaders of the nation, here uh, Jesus is saying something that is completely contradictory to what they had heard. So they wanted to be sure they understood exactly what uh, Christ was saying. And his response in verse 13 is really so remarkable. When, we, when he responds, it says, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Christ came to, to teach truth because he is truth. And he came to confront error. And that's exactly what he's doing in this passage that is so very important to us. How much more would we uh, like to have the idea that to deal with uh, pollution, it's an external thing. It's, uh, I'm basically a good person. If I just wash my hands, I'm in right standing with God. Rather than what Jesus is teaching, which is, no, the pollution is internal. Uh, we are polluted from the inside out, not from the outside in. So what Christ is teaching is so very important. Uh, to the to the disciples and to us today. So I know we're going through these got several verses here, but uh, it's important that we go through these passages because really the the question asked in verse two really won't be answered until uh, verse twenty. So we're getting there. But look what he says in in verse fourteen to his disciples: Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. You know, the, the scribes and Pharisees saw themselves uh, as so proud that they, they even declared themselves as leaders of the blind. They had such a low estimation of the people uh, of Israel that they called themselves, called them blind and called themselves leaders of the blind. And yet Jesus here is accurately and correctly pointing out, no, they are blind leaders of the blind. 
and uh, they are only going to lead the people that will follow them uh, into hell because what they are teaching is human works righteousness, not salvation by grace, but works righteousness. So, so Christ here is condemning what they're doing. He's, he's saying, let them alone. Don't worry about uh, trying to confront them. Uh, they will be uprooted. And then G, then uh, uh, Peter in verse 15 uh, speaks to Jesus. Says, then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. Now the parable is there in verse 14 about the blind leading the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. But Christ goes to verse 11 to explain the parable. Because verse 11 is what Christ uh, goes into in the next uh, few verses. Verse 16, it just says, that. Uh, uh, so Jesus said, are you also uh, without understanding? Are you also still without understanding so again verse 10 uh, Jesus is focusing on understanding the importance of hearing and understanding and here he recognizes they still don't get it still don't quite get it I'm so glad that as we read scripture that we see people like the apostle Peter speak and and uh, voice a concern that, that we might ourselves have because this passage really is uh, so important that Christ is gracious and he explains and he breaks it down. He really breaks down verse 11. Verse 11, uh, the, the first part of it, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man. And then you, you might ask why. Well, the why is answered in verse 17. Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated. Now here Christ is, is really speaking of uh, normal bodily functions. Um, and he's doing that for a purpose because he's saying what you eat, what you drink does not defile you. It does not pollute you. It, you eat it, it goes into your stomach and it's eliminated. It's gone. It is not what defiles you. What defiles you is what verse 18 brings out. And really he addresses the second part of verse 11 uh, in verse 18. So the, the second part uh, of verse 11 says, uh, But what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. And that's what verse 18 is talking about. But those things which proceed out of the mouth, come from the heart, and they defile a man. So verse 18 there is speaking about the source of pollution, the source of defilement is from within us. That, that is such an, a, a clear uh, proclamation that Jesus is making concerning our humanity. The fact that we don't, readily recognize that speaks to our fallenness doesn't it the fact that we don't really see it uh, immediately the fact that the scribes and the pharisees uh, believed exactly the opposite 
uh, speaks to their fallenness. But verse 18 is clearly teaching us that the things that defile come out of the heart. They defile a man. And when, when saying man, they're speaking of uh, humanity, of course. Verse 19 uh, goes to the next point I had, which is the severity of defilement. And it says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Now the parallel passage in Mark 7 uh, has more, but... The point is made that Jesus here is speaking of sin. The issue is a sin issue. To the scribes and Pharisees, the issue was a simple matter of of doing ritual washing. But Christ is saying, no, what comes out of you is what is sinful. And And it's corrupting, it's polluting, it's defiling. And we need to deal with it. This speaks really to the to the essence of our fallenness. Christ is not saying uh, simple things. He's saying things that are, are deadly serious. Uh, evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. All these sin, sin, sin. Uh, this is what comes out of us. Again, this is not... A happy message, is it? This is this is something we don't like to hear about because this uh, pings our pride. We we like to think we are really good. We are we are noble and good and and productive and uh, good in every way. And yet, Scripture saying, "No, uh, you have a problem if you do not know uh, Jesus Christ through faith in Him. Uh, you have a heart problem, and that problem cannot be solved." by washing or cleaning or scrubbing or any works righteousness. The, the severity uh, is so extreme that uh, the result of this is, is hell. Uh, we know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when we look at verse 20, Jesus uh, goes on to complete the thought there that uh, these are the things that defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So he answers the question there in verse 2 that the uh, scribes and Pharisees had asked. Uh, he said, why, why do they uh, transgress the tradition of the elders? He said, because it's not sin. There, there's no offense there. There's no pollution. There, there's no defilement in eating or drinking. The defilement comes from within. So, so the uh, last point, the solution. What is the solution? And I want to thank Pastor Eric for this because uh, to the scribes and Pharisees who were, were so uh, uh, self-righteous in their understanding, uh, if you look down at the rest of this chapter 15, you see the story of the woman from Canaan uh, uh, interacting with Jesus. And I just want to take a moment and contrast those uh, people, the scribes and the Pharisees, 
with that woman. The scribes and the Pharisees, uh, they came to find fault. Uh, but the woman from Canaan, the Syrophoenician woman, uh, she came uh, seeking only uh, to find hope uh, for her demon-possessed daughter. Uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, the, they did not believe in Jesus. But the, the Syrophoenician woman, she was commended for her great faith. Uh, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, when they came, they, they did not respect Christ. But the Syrophoenician woman, when she came, she worshipped him. So the, the, the solution, uh, and I want to thank our previous uh, preachers from the previous weeks, uh, Jacob and Kevin and Caleb and Pastor Eric, of course, on a regular basis, preaching the solution, which is faith in Jesus Christ, is to turn to him and in faith and trust, believing he will do what he has promised to do. As a matter of fact, uh, Charles Spurgeon said that faith is believing Jesus is who he said he is and that he will do what he has promised to do and living accordingly. So we are, we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ, repenting of sin, confessing it to the Lord Jesus Christ, turning to him in faith and believing him for salvation. So as, as terrible as we are, as fallen as we are, uh, as great as our uh, offense is to God, we have a great Savior, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I call today to trust him, believe him for eternal life. Let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, for this exchange that we read about in Matthew chapter 15. Uh, the story there is so uh, wonderful and helpful to us to show us the extreme state of our condition apart from faith in Jesus Christ. We, we are all headed on to hell apart from salvation through faith in him. And I pray, God, that we would have hearts for those that we encounter, uh, not only our relatives, but our neighbors, our friends. I pray, God, that everyone that we encounter, we would have a passion and a zeal to share the good news of Jesus Christ because he is coming back and we want to be prepared uh, to meet him when he returns. I pray, Lord, today that we would continue to live lives that honor and glorify him in all that we do. We thank you and praise you again, Lord, for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.